I think this is a fantastic idea and podcast that you've got about, you know, potentially, uh, does it make you a better leader, a better business person running? And it definitely does, because I've come up with my greatest ideas and it's given me clarity and focus. So, and that's what I mean, you know, why I wanted to, wish I'd had a run in Hearsay. It would have given me clarity and focus and given me the ideas of what was going to happen next. Hello and welcome to Run The Business, the podcast that explores the place where running and leadership come together. We'll find out how running can help us with leading, connecting with people and generally being better in business. We'll also try and answer that question, do runners make better leaders? I'm Anthony Gay and today I'm joined by someone who was part of one of the UK's first pop bands to be created through a reality TV show. She also appeared in one of Britain's most popular TV shows, Emmerdale. These days, though, she's moved away from a life in the spotlight to focus on health and well-being. And through her business, The Happy Health Club, is encouraging others to discover how they can lead a happier and healthy life as well. Suzanne Shaw, welcome to Run the Business. Oh, thanks, Ant. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, really good. It's my rest day, so I'm not running today. (laughs) <laughs> That's one of the questions that we, we start with is, when did you last go running? And sort of, I'll, I'll make it into two parts. When did you last go running and where do you run? Well, um, so when I last went running was yesterday. I did a 10 kilometre run and I live in the Chilterns, so you can't avoid a hill here. Um, so it's very hilly. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you generally find me running around Buckinghamshire somewhere. Brilliant. Can, can I read you a quote to begin with that I found on yeah. your Instagram? Yes, of course. It says, um, running lifts my soul. It's helped heal trauma, helped me find answers, massively helped me with resilience. It's improved my mental health and has helped me grow and become a better human. I'm absolutely average at it, but it's for me. It's my time, my personal challenge with my own ability and an activity I only compete with myself in, pushing my own personal limits. Putting my trainers on and hitting the trails is the greatest gift I give to myself. That's a big shout out for running, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Wow, what a little shout out that was. Yeah, I, and it's absolutely all true. I mean, I've said this many, many times. I think if I'd have found running earlier on in my life, um, things would have probably been a little bit differently or I would have been able to cope with things differently. Um, and I do say if I'd have been a runner in hearsay, you know, maybe I would have been able to deal with that period of time of overnight fame mm-hmm. a little bit differently and a bit better really and for anybody who is listening to this I don't want to sort of dwell on on the hearsay part of your life but it is good to set context and for people listening to this who might not be aware of hearsay and the background to that can you can you sum that part of your life up <laughs> well hearsay was the very first uh, singing reality tv show um it's called pop stars and we were formed from a band we were put together and never for a minute i did i ever think i was going to get into that band you know all of my life was leading towards acting a musical theater and it was only by accident that i auditioned for pop stars really and then lo and behold i ended up being in the band and it was it was overnight fame we had a number one hit which was the fastest non-charitable selling record and we were at number one I think for three or four weeks which is unheard of these days we toured we performed with people like Elton John and Lionel Richie and Donny Osmond and just amazing stars we performed for the Queen and the Royal Family it was a whirlwind in a very very short period of time and then just around about two years we'd we'd broke as a band uh, we we split up and that time it was just it, it was like I was holding on for dear life the entire time from the moment the band was announced or the moment I auditioned I, st- I set foot in front of those uh, judges for the audition it was like I was holding on for dear life until it all stopped and then I was just, I just did not know what to do with myself. It was a very extraordinary time that I think I can't explain to my partner, my parents, my siblings about this this experience, but there's four other people who know exactly what I mean um, when I speak mm. to them. And that bond mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never leave, although we're not the best of friends with each other, that bond will be there for life. Um, but it was an extraordinary time full of, of joy, hope, you know, excitement, but trauma and sadness along the way too. 
And when you sort of reflect on that now and you touched upon it there, it, it, it wasn't the happiest space that you thought it would have been mm. when you were on that journey towards being in that spotlight, was it? No, it wasn't. I mean, it was overnight fame very, very quickly. So um, just to kind of give you an idea, the TV show went out at the beginning of the year. So in January, we started to look at the audition process. And then by the end of, I think it was like a six week show, we'd found the band who were put together. The Brit Awards is in February. So Brit Awards has just happened now. So it's mid-February and they wanted us to be a part of it because we were the, the first band to come from this reality TV concept. And so we very quickly had to, you know, we record our songs, learn a dance routine and be put together. So our first performance ever as a band was at the Brit Awards. And the minute we stepped out onto that stage, we started to get booed and we didn't know what it was was at first because the fans were the people at the front of the stage and they were going mad they were screaming they were shouting they were trying to grab for us and reach for us but there was this undercurrent of booing <laughs> and it was the music industry the people sat at the tables were booing us and we had to do our entire routine being booed you know I'm a 19 year old girl at this point <laughs> all my dreams had come true it was a really exciting time but that was the reality of of how it started now it didn't continue that way you know of course we went on to have great success but that was that moment of since being three years old I wanted to sing dance and act I didn't know what form that would come in whether it be tv whether it be theater or whether it be in a pop band and it happened to be in a pop band and I just had this dream and I used to say the words, when I'm older, I want to be famous. But I knew what I wanted to do. I knew it was to sing, dance or act. That's how I would be famous. But I just thought it would be extraordinary. I thought it'd be a dream come true. And to have it at such a young age and so quickly on in my life was was like I'd won a lottery ticket. Um, but then the reality of it was that it was very dark. It was very, it, we were thrown into the lion's den and it was like the, the the fittest will survive this, and it was it it was difficult. You know, I was a young girl from Bury, and all I wanted to do was was enjoy my job, and you know the politics and the reality of what the show business is is far from enjoying the singing, dancing, and acting. What tools have you sort of picked up? What have you learned in the last twenty years that have taken you to the place that you are now? That you, you wish you might have had back then or anybody listening to this could explore you know if somebody listening to this is is seeking a, a, a you know in their head a, a similar life yeah are there things that now you you sort of think oh I wish I could you know we talked about and we're going to talk about running but is there anything else that that sort of springs to mind as uh things that helped you or now that would have helped you back then yeah I mean I think I think to understand that a job is a job and it's going to come with um, the highs and the lows. And, you know, you think showbiz is a very different beast, and it is. It is a very different beast. With huge success comes sacrifice. I think with anything comes sacrifice. And I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned, actually, is if you're going to put a lot of time into your work, you're going to sacrifice your social and your family life if you put a lot of time into your social life you're gonna sacrifice your family and and work life so whatever you are putting all of your energy in there will be sacrifices along the way and i think with fame with wanting to have that great height and that great success comes a lot of sacrifices and that's your personal life it's the fact that mm. you will be judged and it's the fact that you are not your own property. You're the property of somebody else. You're the property of the public and the TV companies and the and the music industry. And your right to want privacy is completely taken away from you. And so I think, you know, I, I've i learned along the way that there's, with anything that you are ambitious about, comes sacrifices. Yeah, with my running schedule at the moment, there's a lot of sacrifices I'm making to, you know, not spend much time in the evenings with people. I've got to sleep. I've got to, you know, make sure I'm eating well. Um, there's not a lot of give for having fun and being relaxed. So whatever you put your energy into comes a lot of sacrifice. When did running health and wellness become something in your life that you, you realised was a positive force and something that you wanted to pursue? Well, I mean, I think it came... 
it's always been a part of my life. You know, before I got into hearsay, I was very much into my sport. In fact, I played netball semi-professionally and I had trials for England and, um, you know, my parents were running around the country after me. You know, I was going to dance competitions, singing lessons, um, doing shows and doing netball on a Sunday. And they were like, something's got to give, you know, what route are you going to take in life? And it could have been that I ended up playing sport professionally. But, you know, my, my purpose and my ambition and, and where the flame in my belly was, was to perform. So um, I dropped sport, but I always felt like movement and being outdoors and looking after myself was always in me but I just didn't know how to do it and I kind of went along with the peer pressure of you know socializing and boyfriends and you know living my life in uh, in that party world that kind of took a hold of me very quickly so yeah I kind of sacrificed that and didn't really get into it and I'd dip in and out of it every now and again and realize how much it made me feel amazing you know I remember when I um when I was in here so it was the only one going to the gym when I did Emmerdale I would like started the brand new gym there. When I did Dancing on Ice, I was I was keeping really fit. So I I was always finding it, but it was never sticking. Like the alcohol, the party life, the love for kind of being around people and people pleasing kind of was would, would take over often. So it would never kind of stick. So it isn't really until recent years, in the last three years, that I was like, if I want any kind of chance of looking after my mental and physical health I need to make some serious changes and so it's really only recent years it's stuck but I've always been attracted to it. Was there a specific point where you made a decision that this this is it now I'm, I'm all in or was it a gradual thing? Um, I'd say two years previous, it was gradual. So just to kind of give you an idea, I had, I wouldn't have called myself an addict, but I had a very unhealthy relationship towards alcohol. And that was, I suppose, born more from the drinking culture and peer pressure, Mm. rather than actually enjoying the drink. Of course, you enjoy the first few, but then, you know, after then, and the hangovers, they were just so wretched. Um, Mm. I just didn't, I wasn't good on alcohol. It affected my mental health badly. It created severe anxiety and depression. And I was on like a cocktail of antidepressants and and drinking for such a long time from kind of after coming out of the band. And then I remember it getting quite bad after my dad had died in 2012. Mm -hmm. And so... Because of that, I wasn't really living a healthy lifestyle. I was very depressed and it was affecting my mental health badly. And I just remembered thinking two years before I actually quit, I'm kind of unsure where I'm going with this and and how it's affecting my life and it's affecting my mental health bad at some point. I know it'll affect my physical health, Mm. but I didn't know how to get out of it. So I'd take these big breaks. So I'd take a month off. I'd feel amazing. Then there'd be an event and I'd start drinking again. And then I'd be back into my old habits where it wouldn't be a weekend. It'd then be start from a Thursday. And then before I knew it, it was cracking open the wine on a Monday as well. And then I was back into the old cycle and then I'd mm. take a big break and then back into the old cycle. And then I just thought, I, I'm i not a moderator. I don't know how to moderate. This is my problem. Is that the minute that I get persuaded by the drinking culture to drink, I can't moderate. And then I'm left feeling like uh, the world's going to end and um, I need to change this. And then in twenty at the end of 2019, I just thought enough's enough. You know, this is... I, I've, I've got to actually take responsibility for my own happiness here. I've been looking for it externally so long through a career. You know, I thought, you know, my, my happiness and all my dreams would come true from the minute I stepped on the stage with a band and we didn't, we got booed. You know, I was looking for that happiness. It was like, where was it here? If it's not here, where's it going to be? Oh, it must be through alcohol. No, it's not through alcohol. It must be through relationships. So it's not through relationships. And I kept looking for this happiness externally. I was like, I'm holding the key to it. And I, you know, it taken me 38 years to realize that I had the key to my own happiness. Mm. And I was like, I've got to, I've got to change. And, you know, I'm, I'm very much a all or nothing kind of person. So it didn't just have to be, I'm going to quit alcohol. It was, I'm quitting alcohol, I'm going plant-based and I'm taking up running. And so, yeah, I, I made this big change. And at the start of 2020, I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to do one year, no beer. 
Um, it was called this this company, and um, thought I'll join this community. I'll do the one year no beer, and then um, and then I'll I'll just see how I go. I'm not going to say forever. I then went plant based, which made me feel amazing already. It just gave me so much energy, and I took up running, and it has completely changed my life. Those pillars of health that that are now part of the Happy Health Club are um, are what I kind of I think saved me, to be honest. Those pillars, and I know we'll talk about more, uh, the, the three pillars in a, in a second, specifically running. I just want to come back on that that decision you made and when you took up running. What, what was, you, you mentioned running being the key that, that helped you unlock that, that lifestyle, the, the person that you wanted to be. Why running? What was it? Let's talk, let's talk specifically. <laughs> what is it about when you get out there on those trails? That, what, what do you get from that? Well, it's funny you should say that because for so long I thought all the runners out there was lying about this um, this runner's high. And I was intrigued. I'd heard about it quite a few times. And my partner has at this point had done like five marathons or six marathons. He'd he'd done a lot of marathons. And I kept thinking, you know, you're insane. Yeah. Why are you running? Like I remember he wanted to run to collect our car. We'd left it overnight somewhere. And it, it was like three and a half miles to run there. And I was like, are you crazy? You are going to run three and a half miles. <laughs> and um, I just thought this is bonkers. So I'd heard about it. I'd heard about this runner's high. You know, you see people doing it and it's so accessible. You know, it, it just for me, I just thought, I think I think this could be for me. And I'd run, you know, on treadmills and, you know, to warm up before uh, a workout. But I'd, I'd never kind of run further than probably two or three kilometres, if I'm honest. And so I I basically got a pair of running shoes on, which if I now look back, were the most hideous running shoes. And I thought, I'm surprised my ankles didn't snap on my first <laughs> run. And um, I just went out and I ran and I did five kilometres and I came back home and I felt amazing. And I was like, oh my God, why have I never done this before? And then I went out for another five kilometers a few days later. And then um, I thought, oh, the next week, I thought I'm, I'm gonna try and push it a little bit more. And I, I went and ran 10 kilometers and I was absolutely broken afterwards. I was like, oh God, I think I've pushed it a little bit too hard. I've not even like worked my way up to this this point. But I just remember thinking, well, I've been to therapy, you know, a quite a fair few times in my life and never have I had the outcomes that I've had through just doing this run right now. You know, I was like solving half of my problems. And I was like, why has nobody been singing about it from the rooftops? And then, of course, open the door to the running community. I'm like, there you all are. <laughs> there you are. Um, but I just it, it grabbed me straight away. That running community that you mentioned is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. When you you turn up at those events and you share that energy that yeah. everybody has, and you just tap into it, and it it makes you feel amazing. What give us a, for anybody listening to this who I, I know you've done a few sort of big races and half marathons and challenges and things. Give us a flavour of some of the stuff that you've done, and and tell us a, you know to, tell us a story about you know one of the times that you tapped into that energy. Oh, I mean. I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. So my first marathon uh, was an ultra marathon. Like I said, you know, I'm all in or I'm all out. <laughs> Go in big. Go in so, big. Um, yeah. So basically, I'd been doing a few of like these smaller races, like 5Ks, 10Ks, and then I joined a charity race, which was a 12K run. And so I ran the race and I met a guy called Mike Seaman. So if you're in the running community, no doubt you will know who Mike Seaman is. Mike Seaman is uh, the CEO and the founder of the National Running Show, which is a huge exhibition, which he now takes all around the world uh, for runners to come together and find the, the latest gadgets and pro uh, products out there for uh, for running. And he, I'd got chatting to him and... And lockdown had happened and he, he kind of got on contact to say, oh, we're doing something with the National Running Show um, around running. It's a charity event that we're raising and we're passing the baton. Would you, you know, come run for us? For I think I, it was like a run and a chat for about an hour around your garden. I was chatting to him a lot, I, who you know, and he was kind of like almost like I'd say the big brother of the running community. You know, he knows so many people in the running community. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd kind of got in contact with lots of people, but 
it was lockdown, so there were no races. So it wasn't a part of anything, you know, pr- pretty much the start of my, my running career, I'd say. And so I was doing my own little running challenges. So I put online that I was running 10K every day and I thought that was a massive challenge. And I was like, oh my God, and it is, it is a big challenge, but compared to what people are doing out there, it was nothing. And then a few weeks later I go, oh, I'm gonna do 15K every day for a week. And so I did that. And then I just started to uh, document my running journey. And then I just thought, you know what? I would love to do a marathon. There's no races at the moment. I'll create my own though, but I want to do an ultra marathon before I do a marathon. And so that's what I did. And I worked with Mike Seaman on running 19 hours consecutively. So it wasn't actually a distance that I was doing. And we decided to run for the Samaritans. Because, you know, we're talking with people really started opening up about their mental health um, during COVID. And it's I think that's when we saw the big change of it becoming very talked about. Before then, it was very difficult to certainly what I'd seen uh, was difficult to to kind of open up about your mental health without there being a massive stigma attached to it. So. So, yeah, I thought I'm going to put a spotlight on it. It can't be a small challenge i've got to do something big and the reason we chose 19 hours was because previous statistics showed that 19 people in the uk were taking their lives every day so we wanted to put a spotlight on this number and so i thought i'm going to run for 19 hours and see how far i get and i ended up covering 60 miles i was gutted though afterwards because <laughs> i'd realized that i was two miles short of running 100k <laughs> I was like damn me damn it I should have pushed harder at the end but it was it was epic and that was the first time that I'd done anything big and we had um, a lot of the running community come and crew and support me and this was at the point where we'd only just been a- been allowed to get as many people outdoors you could meet up with as many people as you could outdoors and that was like May was it May 21 May 2020 mm-hmm. oh, no it was May 21 because it was after the second lockdown that big january where we you know boris came back and said doom and gloom everyone's in lockdown again so yeah it was it was then it was at the uh at the end of may and yeah and then since then i've run marathons i've run a lot of half marathons and i'm now currently in training for my second ultra and you're Second ultra is is not just any ultra, is it? It's it's another big run. It's it's something special. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, again, I blame Mike Seaman. I don't know why I became friends with that man. He makes <laughs> me do stupid things, and I always say yes. Um, so you know, it it, it was a really amazing uh, event that we did with the nineteen hour run, and we've been wanting to do something similar since. And this time we wanted to film a documentary. Now, with, for the 19-hour run, we filmed like a very short documentary for the National Running Show's YouTube channel. So, you know, if you want to watch what that was like for me, you can go uh, to their YouTube channel and watch it. But um, we wanted to do kind of something bigger. So we are making like a, a feature-length documentary. And um, again, it's it's to kind of highlight uh, the mental health crisis we're in. And I think, you know... Through my experience, I realized that there was a lot I could have done to help myself um, through health, nutrition, mindfulness, activity, movement and connection as well. And so we kind of explore my journey, but then we also explore other people's journeys as well of their um, struggles with mental health. Because there's a range of different mental health illnesses out there from post-traumatic stress disorder to, you know, anxiety, depression, bipolar, OCD. There's, there's so, it's so complex, but there's so many people, one in four people are diagnosed with a mental health illness, which is a, a big stat, you know, yeah. and I wanted to again put a spotlight on that number, one in four. So I'll be running over four days and there's a one in four chance that I'm going to be running 50 miles. And I have to roll a dice every day. So again, a metaphor to mental health. I won't know what I'm running on the day. Like, you know, when you wake up some days, you just don't know are going to be good, bad or really bad when you, you suffer with your mental health. So, um, yeah, so on the and then on the other four sides of the dice, so it's a four sided dice. So on the other three sides of the dice, there's the, the mileage of 30 miles. So whatever happens, I'm running an ultra, but it's either 30 miles or 50 miles. And I'll have to do one of those over four days. So I could essentially run up to 200 miles over four days. 
Wow. Which would be brutal and would be my bad luck if that if that happened, if I rolled the 50 every time. So that's the, the challenge in a nutshell. But we are really, as a documentary, exploring how people, what they do for their mental health, what could we be doing as a, as a society, um, what could be teaching people to prevent mental health illnesses, um, but then exploring, you know, where does it come from, trauma or society or the fast pace we're living in or our lifestyles, and really explore it and do a deep dive into the con- like all the different conditions. That idea of rolling the dice, it's just such a powerful, <laughs> as you say, a metaphor for just not knowing what the day is going to be like, not being in control, isn't it? And it, yeah. I mean, have you thought about, I'm, well, I'm sure you have, but the idea of you know starting that day and, and not knowing, because as a runner, we all kind of, we, we want to know our goals, we want to know our objectives, mm. don't we? But to go out there and not know that must be, must feel really strange. Yeah, I think um, for such a long time, I kind of let I've let the wind blow me around a little bit and take me to my destinations instead of actually putting some intentions in place and going, actually, this is what I want from my life. And I think that's that's very much come from overnight fame from being like 19 years old, being cast in this, you know, pop band and not really knowing where to go from there. And it's taken me a long time to kind of put my roots down, put my feet firmly into the ground and go, actually, no, I, th- there's stuff that I can be doing here. That's can taking control first and foremost of my physical and mental health. And I think this is a fantastic idea and podcast that you've got about, you know, potentially, uh, does it make you a better leader, a better business person running? And it definitely does because I've come up with my greatest ideas and it's given me clarity and focus. So, and that's what I mean, you know, why I wanted to, wish I'd had a run in hearsay it would have given me clarity and focus and given me the ideas of what was going to happen next giving me that thinking time instead of being just blown around hoping that the universe would take me to the next destination it was going to be the right spot you know I think you've got to take responsibility of where your destination is going to be and most of the time I've been running around blindfolded mm-hmm. just you know hoping that it will have the outcome that I want it to have so yeah, I think running grounds me in so many ways and has given me a real focus and given me a structure and routine to my life that I've never had before. Well, let's talk about uh, your business, the Happy Health Club and and firstly, you know, what does it do and what made you want to start it? I think we've covered a lot of that already, but you know, specifically what was the moment where you thought, actually, there's a business here. This is, this is, <laughs> yeah, I, I need to do this. Um, well, I'd been documenting my lifestyle change. So it started with being completely transparent on social media about my mental health and why I'd quit alcohol and why I wanted to prioritize my well-being. So once that started, you know, the reaction that I got was, was huge. And my inbox was just full of of people asking for help and advice and so I thought oh, I'll run a little mini program because I can't give them help and advice you know this, I'm just doing it it's almost the start of my journey I'm no expert in any of this so you know I'll I'll speak to some alcohol-free experts and uh, people who are in sobriety so we'll do chats around that we'll um, talk about plant-based nutrition with doctors and nutritionists and is it really you know a healthy diet to be on you know really kind of dive deep into getting that understanding and then I chat to people in the running community and also put on fitness classes as well so I put this little program together whilst we're in lockdown and eat plants try sober get fit became kind of the tagline and at the time it was called the sure happy plan (laughs) and then I thought well that's a little bit you know that's a bit of a vanity project let's just not (laughs) let's not call it that (laughs) and I was working with a really good friend of mine Jo Partridge and she's a brilliant PT she's sober she's plant-based and she loves running and I thought there's nobody better to go into business with than Joe. And I'd started the Happy Health Club, but I thought this is a low, I don't want to do this on my own. You know, I need connection. I need, you know, it to bring it together as a community. So um, we, we've kind of started to develop it together. So we're a baby company. We've only just kind of relaunched, actually. So we launched in September 2021 and it just was challenges. So we, we asked people to kind of pick what they wanted to do if you wanted to try plant-based or whether you wanted to try sober or you wanted to take up fitness 
or you could do all three kind of it, it was like you know try a little bit try a lot and do it all in your own time no pressure it's just for those who are curious to really have that 360 degree wellness hit and we've done about three of those challenges we've had like 300 people take three four hundred people now take our challenges and we've got like 2,000 subscribers to our to our newsletter. And then we relaunched only about six weeks ago. And we've got a brand new app and everything's on there now. So, you know, you can have a taster of everything. Um, there's no challenges. It's, it's, a, it's a membership program. Uh, we do have like challenges on the program where you can do 28 days and you can pick what you want to do. But it's a community. It's a membership. And we have a lot of live stuff. So, for example, last night I ran a live sober session. We do that every week. We have a run club on there. So every Friday we you do I did a thing called 5K Friday for a long time on mm. my social media and sometimes still do it on my social media. And you know, we warm up together and then everyone goes off to a run and then you can see people chatting in the community, how far they did, how it made them feel. And it's just nice, it's just nice to talk to like-minded people because the reason I thought, oh, there's a business in this is because when I went through this wellness change and wanted to prioritize my well-being. I had really little support from my loved ones and not in a way where they were hard hitting on me about looking after myself, but in a way you, you, you hold a mirror up to people's own behaviors and what they want to change. And if they're not ready for that change, their acceptance to your change isn't great. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's just human behavior. It's hard to watch somebody grow and evolve uh, for the better because you feel like you're going to be left behind. And so, Either how you had to tap into other communities, I had to tap into the sober community and the running community and the plant-based community. I had to go to these communities to find my people, to keep me accountable, to inspire me, to motivate me to the next level. And and and, and so that, that generally wasn't going to be my friends and family. So I thought, um, why not? set up a community again for people to to come and and chat and get that support that they need but what i have found is by me making those changes not preaching about them to my own people but just kind of getting my hit from the communities is that like my partner doesn't drink much anymore you know he's found his love for running again and we do loads of running together and he's gone plant-based in fact the whole family has so mm-hmm. it's kind of had a really big impact but it's had you know, it's taken its time, it's evolved, it's it's grown into that. So I do think that if you thrive, those around you thrive, and then that has a massive impact on kind of the outer world, I think. But I think it's it's obviously done in, a, you know, you've got to do it from a lot of a less preachy way. You've just got to be that lighthouse instead of the tugboat making people do it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've learned along the way. If you're the tugboat trying to force people, come, come and do it, come and do it. People are like, no, no, it's not for me. And then if you're just the lighthouse doing your thing, and just staying grounded and keeping strong and just knowing what you want from it, then it attracts other people to want to come and join and, and, and get, their, get the fun that they think you're having. That's a great way to put it. Uh, I love that, the lighthouse, not the tugboat, yeah. the lighthouse. Yeah. Brilliant. A lot of people talk, don't they, about wanting to run their own business, wanting to be a leader, mm. a business owner, but it doesn't go anywhere. There's a lot of people talking about the stuff they want to do. What was the difference for you? How did you make it happen? And, and how are you where you are now and not still in that same place? Oh, it's a really good question, that Ant. You know, for so long, and I hope this gives hope to people who keep thinking, oh, I'm going to fail at this. Like, I have tried a few different businesses until now. Um, you know, I wrote a sitcom and I wrote that sitcom twice over. And we filmed it and we tried to get it on on a commission. And I wanted to be this sitcom writer. I wanted to write comedy. Um, and not, not a lot of people know that about me. You know, they think, oh, you're from a pop band. What do you know about that? Well, I didn't know much, but I enjoyed it. And I appreciated comedy. And I wrote with my writing partner and we had a great time. And we got so close so many times. And we had a production company. And it just never took off. And then I went into business with somebody else, with another production company, wanting to do live theatre. You know, I thought, I really love entertainment industry, but not always, you know, as a performer, I'd, I'd ticked a lot off my bucket list as a performer. And and it just didn't take off. And it was because, it's because I didn't respect myself. I didn't trust myself because I would drink. I wouldn't look after myself. I would self-sabotage. I would doubt everything that I did. I would compare myself to other people. And I genuinely wasn't, 
until I started to prioritize my well-being and put myself first that I started to respect myself the self-sabotage started to stop and I showed up for myself and I just I took smaller steps I took way smaller steps with this process and I think for me personally cracking the fact that I don't drink anymore that I don't need the drink to give myself confidence to give myself the bravado or the get up and go or you know give the talk and being able to stick to my own word and not fall back into those old habits has been the biggest testament to my confidence and I trust myself I trust that I'm going to show up for myself and it might not be exactly the way I want it every day some days you know fall away and they don't quite get to where you know I want to get to on the to-do list and it laps over into the next day and the next day and, and and I accept it I accept that that's just life and that you know I'm not with it on that day and then there's other days where you know I'm really showing up for myself but every day I'm showing up for myself however big or small it is and that's been the difference and you know by all means you know the happy health club has got a long way to go but i'm committed and i want to do it and i'm passionate about it and i'll just take small steps until well forever i think you know i don't think there'll ever be an end mm. to it but um you know it's it's what i love doing and it's what i'm i i, I really truly believe you know i'm here to do as well there's so much in that and you talked about just showing up and being consistent and they they might not be for some people listening to this uh for and I, I don't mean this patronizingly but you know young people wanting stuff instantly you know that you've got to put the graft in and the time the consistency to show you up do. and if you do that that is so much more powerful can be so much more powerful it's it's way more rewarding you know when i was three i i wanted to sing dance and act and i spent from that moment practicing my art whether it be going to classes whether it be going to stage school wh whatever it would be and then i discovered that actually you know there's an audition here to be in a pop band now i went for that audition and it was overnight success and that went really, really quickly. And I learned such a great lesson from that experience. Like when I started the Happy Health Club, my idea of success is a little bit skewed. You know, I expected to sell 1.3 million spaces on the Happy yeah. Health Club like I did with, you know, a record. But it just wasn't ever going to be like that. And if it was like that, would it last? Because there would, would have been no infrastructure, just like hearsay, there wasn't an infrastructure in place to keep us tight and together and to understand where we were going next. It was the first of its kind. Mm. People didn't know how this was going to be. And so you've got to understand that infrastructure is really important. And if you don't have the infrastructure in place to cope with what you're doing and be consistent, then it's not going to work. And you want it to be a slow grower. You want to enjoy the journey and to really appreciate that there was a bit of fight to get there. And that's the way I see it. You know, hearsay was overnight success and it burnt out very, very quickly. If I was to have overnight success with a happy health club, I'd actually worry because I don't have the infrastructure in the place. I don't have a staff of 100 people to cope with the tech side do you know, do you know what I mean and, yeah. it, and it and it has to kind of have that slower effect so it has a long lasting and more meaningful statement behind it a business are, are you the happiest now that you, you know you've you've been in in life I mean do, do you sort of think about you know where you measure your happiness I think um happiness is a really it, it's it's I see it so differently I don't think it exists and not in a way where you can't be happy I think I think there's a different word for it I think I think what what happiness is is it comes and goes it's not there to stay and it's not meant to stay and if it was there to stay you wouldn't know what it was so it's happiness you can't it's not a destination it's just part of the journey you'll have it and it'll go you'll have it and it'll go and that will be forever because without the the darkness, you can't have the light. So in order to always have the happiness return, you've got to go through the graft and the, and the darkness. And so I believe it's just something that's always been there. I've always had the happiness. I've missed it sometimes because I've not slowed down to, to find it. And, you know, right now I understand it a lot more. I understand that it will come and go. So I'd say it's not the most happiest I've ever been, but I'm in a place where I just, I just 
yeah, I'm more content. Yeah. I'm more ex. I, I, I basically am the most accepting I've ever been, and grateful mm-hmm. I've ever been. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Mike Seaman actually a, a, a mm-hmm. few questions back, which, by the way, is he, 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 he was one of the early guests on this podcast at uh, episode four. And uh, oh, the, really? Amazing. The, the running show. I, I took my son to the running show that you mentioned in Birmingham uh, last month, and and it, he loved it. And it the, yeah. the vibe, the community, the people that you meet there. It's fantastic. It's inspiring. I kind of wanted to ask you in the world of running and in the world of business as well, who inspires you? Who do you look to and see uh, energy, see ideas, see creativity that, that really gets you going? Oh, well, I, I mean, I don't want to say this because he's going to love me for saying it and actually don't want to give him the credit. But Mike's even, Mike and I have a lot of banter and we take the mickey out of each other a lot. But he is, he's, you know, he's very aspirational. You know, he just goes for it. And he he didn't know that the National Running Show was going to be the hit it was. You know, he spent his own money on hiring the NEC out, hoping people would turn up. And it was a big gamble for him, you know, leaving a world that he knew well. And I just think that's a bold move. That's somebody who just trusted the process and Mm. he didn't fear the failure. And um, I just thought, you know, hats off to you. And he's grown a wonderful business and helped the running community officially get together every now and again. And and that's amazing. You know, he has a real purpose behind behind it and he, he loves it. He loves it. You know, he's is always grateful and always so helpful to others as well. He's, he's such a big believer in paying it forward. So I've learned a lot from him in terms of, um, you know, how how to behave behind business and have that gratitude and pay it forward. And and so, yeah, I'd, and I love to surround myself with people who, who want to improve their lives. You know, for so long, I was gravitating towards people who would complain and be negative and judge. And it's so easy to fall into that mindset, but it's so unhelpful and it's never gonna get you anywhere in life. It's so important to surround yourself with people who are going to put a mirror up to you and go, what am I, what could I be doing differently? How could I change this? You know, who who maybe intimidate you a little bit. It's important to push yourself and come out of your comfort zone. And yeah, surround yourself with those who will hold you accountable and inspire you and motivate you to want to go to the next level. And I think that's, that's a big part of the running community. And I think that's why it's so wonderful because it's not judgmental. It's very much a solo journey. But by God, you're around like people who you aspire to kind of help you run that extra mile or maybe get a little bit faster or maybe try different routes or try it a different way. And and I think it's it's such a metaphor for life, the running community in so many ways. And I don't know whether you feel like that, Ant. Oh, definitely. And and the, I mean, you mentioned it there. It, it's a solo journey. We can only be the best that we can be. But at the same time, that community that you can tap into lifts you and and makes you part of something that you can never be on your own so it's a bit of a weird combination that mm. you know I, I love going out and just doing runs on my own and and getting out into the hills and and taking in nature at the same time I love park run for everything that brings and the, the familiar faces and the smiles and, and the people that I see and yeah and I love seeing people do do uh do well I mean there's, there's you know there's a guy who does our park run who who got his who who won it but got his pb on the weekend and it was just awesome to see him excited and and to see where he is on his journey and things that he you know we talked about some of the races and things that he's got coming up he's on another level to me but there's no it, it, it it's not like we can't chat about it and, and experience the same things and, and, and i think you've articulated it so well during this you know in the conversation around that 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 energy that you can get and and tap into from the running community yeah exactly and you can and it is and it's so lifting and so supportive and it's just brilliant and i know people have talked about it for so long but you know if you are running curious honestly it's it's the most supportive beautiful community and it and it's it's just it, it is very inspiring just a few questions to finish off can you tell us about a specific run uh, that that you've done or maybe it's something near you that you love doing on a regular basis and just give us a flavor of of that run or, or maybe it's a run that you did 
years ago, but it sticks in your mind and you can vividly recall it. Yeah, you know, one of the best experiences of my time in running, it's got to be a race that I did in Croatia. This race was 260 kilometers over six days, I think. No, I didn't do the whole the whole race. I joined for the last two days. So I ran 54 of those kilometers. Anna was actually, Anna Harding was uh, part of the, the race. And the it was it was absolutely I it was the worst and best experience of my life. So I turned up. I didn't apart from knowing Anna who was there. I didn't really know many people. They'd all had a really bad run the day before. A lot were very very broken. They'd, they'd been camping. They'd been running for like four days previous to me. And so I kind of joined, and they were in a bad way, and they were complaining. They were not happy. They, you know, there was just. I turned up, and I was thinking, what am I getting myself into? And so the first day, I got out of the bus, and the heat was extraordinary. I was like, wow, we've got to run in this, and it was really mountainous. It, the it was the terrain was the most technical hilly terrain I'd ever experienced in my life, and I started climbing this mountain and it was really hot and my they that everybody was just racing past me because they were used to it by now but they were still equally really broken and I remember thinking when I went into this race yeah I could could have a good chance of of actually doing pretty decent in a race for the first time because I'm I, like I say you know I'm an absolutely average runner I'm not fast I just love it but I thought this could be the one yeah. where I actually come in first and I really I really thought you know I, you know, these people are really broken, you know, at least I've got a good chance. But I didn't. Mm. I was so naive because they were acclimatized to the heat and they knew what they were getting themselves into. I was running in completely blindfolded, no idea. And so I started to climb this mountain and, and, and I say it was a mountain and I had no poles, no running poles and because it was, it was optional. And I'd never used running poles before. So I thought, well, if it's optional, I've never used them. It's probably worse to have them than just take them along. And I needed them. I really mm. need them. And one of the girls running past said, you're not going to do this course without one. So she gave me one of hers. So I had a running pole to use, which was really, really nice. Wow. I'd never forget that moment. Yeah. And so I'm climbing up and everyone's whizzing past me and I'm trying to find my way. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, really. I was really naive on it. And um, they said, follow the white and and red signs. And I can't tell you how many different variations of these white and red signs there were from other races. <laughs> and it was like, why didn't you do another colour, for God's right. sake? And I got completely lost and I couldn't find myself back on track. I'd lost everybody. The heat was in. I was stuck on on the half of like the cliffside of a mountain. And I just sat under this tiny tree, which was the only shade I could find, thinking I've gone probably about five kilometres in and that's taken me two hours and I literally have no idea what I'm doing here. Do I try and find my way back and just get to safety? As the, the vultures were circling me going, there's the weak one, we can see her. <laughs> or do I just carry on and surrender to the moment and see what's ahead? And it was, again, another metaphor for life. And I thought, I'm on my own. I've got nobody to blame. Like, there's no one to blame for this situation. There was no Mike Seaman making me do this race. There was just me. I decided to go and join the Run for Love Croatia run. And I just thought, right, okay, just give in to it, surrender to the moment and just carry on going forward. I had no signal at this point on my phone or anything, so I couldn't contact anyone. So I don't know what was going to be ahead. It was either going to be really disastrous or actually it was going to get better. And then in that moment, as I started to walk up the mountain, um, there's these two people who appeared. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And they were like the people at the back who were really hobbling. And it was Emma and Josh, they were called. And we, I decided in that moment that this wasn't ever going to be a race for me and that this was an experience. And I just spent my time with these people. Although at some points I thought, I, am fi I feel fit enough to carry on. I know what I'm doing now maybe you try and kind of get ahead so you're not the last one in and I thought actually no this is going to be an experience for life and we just shared stories on the trails we helped each other out and Emma was in a really bad way with her leg and we shared sweets we shared water we got to the checkpoint with it 10 minutes to spare and we just carried on and it took us 
I think it was 28 kilometers. It took us eight hours to, to, to do 28 kilometers. And I was the last in. So after thinking I could win this race, I was the last in. It took me eight hours, but it was the most extraordinary experience. And then I had a second day to go of running um, just over half a marathon, which actually I ended up doing all of it with Anna Harding. And we had the most wonderful time chatting on the trails. And it the, it was just so beautiful. It was, it was scary. It was challenging. It really pulled me out of my comfort zone. I felt really alone at times. But then I had the most bonding and wonderful experiences that I'd ever had on a run. And it kind of, it had all of those emotions. And I think that's, what sums up you know we go back to that happiness that's what's that's what sums up happiness for me is that you can't have it as just a really joyful high it's got to have all of the emotions attached to it for me Mm. to have that full experience and that race will I think will always be a very special race that I've ever done as a runner that's a fantastic story and that connection to something about the longer distances isn't there where when you are with people, you connect with them in a way that you just couldn't anywhere else yeah. and, and, and on a deeper level. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. You really do. And they're complete strangers. And I may never see, I know one of them, but I may never see the other one again, Josh. I may never meet him again in my life. But the stories we share, that connection, and that that's so important. And it brings me to the three sees that I really kind of hold on to through business, through life, connection being mm. one of it. Connection's so important for us as humans without it. And I think we learned a lot of that in lockdown. We are beings who need connection. And that is so incredibly important for our well-being. And for a long time, I was so isolated, particularly in showbiz. I pushed everybody away from me. I did not want to get close to anyone because I didn't know who to trust. And so I lost a lot of connection and I think that played a big part on my mental well-being. So connection is so important. Uh, So finding your tribe, finding your community, that common ground, that like-mindedness. The next one is compassion. You've got to have compassion for yourself. Love yourself every step along the way because if you can't love yourself, that honestly nobody can. And it's taken a lot of practice to be able to look at myself in the mirror with kind eyes and say, you're freaking awesome, you're beautiful, you're awesome, and stop apologizing for your place on the planet. You deserve it. And then, yeah, the third C for me is community. Having community and, you know, having people to help you be accountable is so important. So yeah, those are those are the three C's that I uh, I kind of ground myself and, and and hook onto. Oh, I'm sorry, a fourth one, a fourth one as well is is consistency. But- consistency. Well, um, so yeah, those are my fourth four C's. I was thinking when I said three C's, I thought I'm sure there's a fourth one, but it is 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 consistency. And if you're consistent, you will get the outcome you want. Honestly, no matter how, if you think oh, I've been consistent for a month now, and I'm still not seeing results, yeah. it's because you need to. Do it consistently for longer and longer and yeah. longer. But you will, whatever you put your energy in, you will get back yeah. out. I, I said to, my son was playing football the other weekend and uh, we were talking about how the team had done and, and his performance. And, and we, we touched upon that idea of just being the best you can be, being consistently the best you can be. Don't try and be the best, mm. just be the best that you can be and yeah. do it consistently. And you will get to where you you want to be, where you need to be by doing yeah. that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, your your words there are, are very very powerful. In terms of this year, do you have goals for the business? Do you have goals for running? I mean, how do you how do you sort of you know measure where you're going? Yeah, it's funny you should say that because I I thought about this a lot at the start of the year. You know, this new year, new you, mm. new me kind of thing, and I just thought, you know, I I, I go pretty hard on goals a lot, and I think. This year I was like, I think it's about time that I stopped doing this to myself. <laughs> and not in a way that I don't think it's helpful because I think that the goals are really, really helpful. I think in a way where, again, going back to my idea of success is so skewed from, you know, having such huge success in my career at an early age that I, I have to kind of give myself a break a little bit because when I overwhelm myself, I have a tendency to retreat. So... Again, small steps are really important for me. So instead of setting goals this year, I've set intentions. And my intention is 
to um, just work on the Happy Health Club app and make that community so powerful and strong and helpful for people. Because again, I have a tendency to go and then I'll do a retreat and then I'll do this yeah. live expo and then I'll do this. And I thought, no, I've just, I just want to work on this app and make it the best app that we can make it. And if people want to come to us, then they'll find us, they'll come to us and you know they'll enjoy what we, we have to offer. But I really want to put all my love and soul into making it the friendliest wellness community out there where people really feel safe. It's a safe space for people to really explore their own wellness mission without feeling judged or they have to do it in, in a certain time. And so I'm really focused on on just setting my intentions that this year that, you know, we will work on that community and the app and, you know, to really nurture it. And then my own personal running challenges, I've got obviously my my big one which is at the end of may my ultra and then for me it would be joining races mm. and connecting with the the running community and again you know making this documentary is it's more than kind of ticking the box to get like i've always said i wanted to make a documentary but this is making a documentary over something that i really really am so such a big advocate for and so passionate about and so again i just i just want to do it with just a lot of love and nurture and, and make sure it's right so i don't care about the outcome you know it's not what i get my validation for anymore i don't need millions of people to watch it see it buy it you know whatever it is i just want to know make sure that i am doing the stuff that I really want to love and nurture and you know if people watch it if people you know join the happy health club then then they do and hopefully then they really benefit from it but it's not it's not the outcome that I'm trying to chase anymore it's just the actual project itself I want to just love and, and enjoy I love that the, the idea of the you know the journey being it's, it's the most important bit the outcome the you know the measure at the end of it is there, but it's not why you're doing it, and yeah. and the intention that you, I, I love that reframing of goals as as intentions because it just somehow lifts, I say it lifts the pressure, but it, it, it we're still accountable, but it just changes the way that we, I think we view life and what we're yeah. doing because with intentions, it's all about who we want to be and 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 the person we're bringing rather than going to somewhere in the future kind of thing. Yeah, you're so right, and I think it ends up having a time on it then. When you say goals, it's almost like you, there's a there's a time limit you have, and time can just bring so it can be so complicated. And I think that's what I've learned on my journey in life so far is that, you know, setting the intention is a softer version and a less urgency. There's less urgency and and kind of letting go of the outcome. I think it's it's you end up then manipulating and controlling it in maybe a way that it shouldn't be a trend or the way somebody else is doing it maybe that's the way i get more sales maybe that's the way we make it more dramatic mm. and you know and I, and and i don't want to do that anymore with my life the entertainment industry can be so manipulative like that and it's all about numbers and goal hitting and you know commissions and and how you get that and you know what the latest trends are and so you end up doing something and letting go of your values along the way and values are so important to me I've let I spent 19 years of my career not knowing what my values were and letting go of them for the sake of a sale or a money or getting the gig you know and it and and actually my values are incredibly important to me now and it's about respecting those and if my values don't match what a commissioner wants or you know the way a, a business manager might see hitting my goals and targets for numbers for the happy health club then then i'm not interested i'm just genuinely not interested it's got to align with my values and then hopefully eventually the outcome will will be rewarding and if it's not then it's not it's a journey i'm meant to be on there's so much stuff in this conversation that i hope people are and I think that we'll be getting getting a lot out of because there are things you know what you just said there. It's it's so important that we are true to our our values and our purpose and and, mm. and who we want to be rather than chase somebody else's goals. It's easier said than done. It is. It is. But it's it's such a powerful um, powerful thought. Last couple of questions. Running aside, can you name some sort of business tool, an app, a person maybe that you couldn't do without from a, a business perspective? Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, well, I've just found 
dexed if that's of any use to anybody. I am terrible with my accounts and my accountant, if she listens to this, will go, she's probably my, my I'm the her worst client. She's always chasing me for my tax return and always chasing me to make sure I'm on top of my numbers and I know what I've been spending. And uh, it's just not something that I was gifted with in life was uh, the admin side. So Dext is an app that um, I've discovered where you simply just upload all of your receipts, all of your outgoings, exactly where you're at. It does it all for you. And then my accountant can just go and find it at the end of the year without having to chase me and <laughs> and get all the numbers together. So it's all there in one app. I've only just started using it. I'm hoping it's going to solve all my problems in life completely <laughs> but um i don't know yet but um, i'm enjoying it so far okay we'll, we'll we'll check back in maybe a year down the line and see how yeah. uh, see how yeah. that's going yeah. uh, and then business aside what's what's your favorite bit of running kit or running accessory that you can't do without uh, and do you still have the one pole that the the, the lady gave you, you yeah <laughs> i i returned oh, it right. and then i got myself a new set of poles <laughs> so i've got my own poles now which has been very exciting now i'm just like where are the mountains uh what one pair i mean obviously i'm i'm an ambassador for mizuno and i love their kit and obviously i've got to give them a shout out and you obviously you can't run without a good pair of running shoes um so i've got to first and foremost say you know my mizuno running shoes uh, before i became an ambassador by the way were the ones for me and i tried a fair few before including my very first pair of fashion Mm -hmm. running trainers that I went out in. They weren't running trainers, they were just fashion trainers. Nearly snapped my ankles with. But yeah, Mizuno uh, are a great brand and I and I love their kit. But uh I think I it would have to be my running backpack. And I have I can't pronounce the name. It's a Joni um A N J Oh, I, I can't, I can't pronounce, I can't pronounce it, but it's a running backpack that okay. if I'm doing any long run, it has all the tiny little pockets, like for my headphones, for my little sweets, for my electrolytes. And it's got, you know, a nice space at the back if I want to take my top off and put it in the back. There's a little hoop for your sticks if you need it. And I just love it. I love my little um, running backpack and and I just need to take it everywhere with me. Even when I'm not running, I'm like, oh, I just that, that one's the perfect one. It's got all the right pockets for everything you need. I do like a good running backpack because yeah. you know, fitting, as you say, you can fit all that stuff in. And the, the better ones, you don't feel like you're wearing them and you can kind of run freely. That's it. And, but you've got all this stuff with you, which is great. And you've got to get it right. I've tried a few that are a bit stiff on the back. I'm not really a fan of having the water bags, but although I am going to try those again, yeah. because I think it's going to be more beneficial for me for, for the longer runs I'm about to get into. But um, this one is so light. You want to mm. know it's not there, but you want it to fit everything in as well. Final question. What, what advice, if you can sum up the last hour of our conversation, what advice would you give to anybody in a business or a leadership role who isn't active at the moment and they're considering getting more active and specifically taking up running, what would you say? I would say your business will fly high into the sky if you took up movement running. And even if that's starting with walking, honestly, the best ideas will come up in nature and being outdoors and moving. You're going to get the endorphins. It's going to lift you feel more and positive. You get the nature where it will clear your head. You'll You know, there's something really quite powerful when you're sat at a desk or you've been indoors for a long time and you can't figure out the answers. The answers behind it is to get outside because it's so powerful when you come away from the situation. The nature is is so powerful. It's so powerful and it will honestly... it will just, I, I, you have to do it. If you're not doing it already, you have to, because my life has dramatically changed. I am a happier, better person from being out hitting the trails or just getting out into nature running. And I, I definitely say I'm far more successful. Thank you for being so honest and bringing so much to this conversation. Oh, you're welcome. Because it has been fascinating on so many levels. But Susie, it's been a eye-opener and I think there's been so many nuggets that people listening to this I think will will be taking away and thinking about and maybe making changes to their life to to improve what they're doing as well So, so thanks so much oh thanks Anthony thank you 
Thanks to Suzanne Shaw for her time on Run the Business this week. I'm so grateful for her openness and honesty in sharing her experiences in that conversation. I think it takes some guts to put it out there like that. And there was so much to reflect on in that conversation, so much wisdom from Suzanne. A big lesson for me is to be careful in what you're chasing in life and how that thing aligns with your values and and your beliefs and be comfortable changing if it doesn't. I know that's easier said than done, but if we're to lead useful, rounded, fulfilling lives, then in the long run, it's where we need to be. We talked about purpose and intention and taking control of things and how running gives you a structure and a routine in life that allows you to build other things around it. It's a healthy structure to have. It was also great talking about the growth of the Happy Health Club and how Suzanne's commitment and passion comes from her love of it and belief in it and not necessarily the goals or the outcome at the end of it. We talked about happiness. That was really interesting. What, what does happiness mean to you? Is it part of your journey or is it a destination that's maybe just out of reach that you're aiming for? And is that a healthy way to view it? Is it more about being content and grateful and something that you can have here and now rather than this, this happiness that you're seeking? You can find out all about the Happy Health Club in the show notes. Please check it out and follow Susie on Insta for her updates on her challenges this year. I wish her all the best. Uh, If you've enjoyed that conversation, please follow Run The Business, share, like and comment. It really, really does help. And I must thank Anna Harding for producing the show. She got a couple of mentions in that conversation. Just so you know who Anna is, Uh, she does a fantastic job, as does Chris Kelly, who also works on our production team. At thought to finish, uh, be a lighthouse, not a tugboat. I think that's a strong one, isn't it? I'm Anthony Gay, and until next time, keep running and keep chasing your goals. Hold up. 